This is Roof English Radio with Darinata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. Hello, this is Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam. Thank you for your time today. Here on Roof English Radio, we strive to bring not just Iceland, but Roof to the world in English. And many of the interviews that are recorded for the Raus et program Heimskvitha happen in English. And here on Roof English Radio, you'll occasionally have the chance to hear some of those interviews in full in English. And Jaroslav Kuisz is a well-known Polish author and political analyst. He's assistant professor of law at the University of Warsaw, editor-in-chief of the Liberal Culture Weekly magazine, and director of the Liberal Culture Foundation in Poland. His new book is The New Politics of Poland. It's going to be published next month by Manchester University Press. He spoke to Ruves Björn Malmqvist recently about the upcoming elections in Poland and about how Polish history continues to impact the dynamics of Polish politics. The trauma of uh, losing sovereignty and in fact of being wiped off the map is something that haunts Polish politics up to the day. And in fact, we see it in everyday politics, although it's not really an obvious thing. We, we have the reading of what's today via lenses of the past. And let me give you an example. The government uh, reads today's foreign affairs through the lenses of the pre-Second World War era. In fact, they are looking for the uh, enemies to the east, but also to the west of Poland. They would like to maximize sovereignty. Uh, they are reading Polish past as if there could be a return of history. They, that's, that's, and that's founded on the cyclical uh, on, on a cycle of losing sovereignty since the 18th century. So it's not just a, a tiny irrelevant thing because it, it happened over and over in the 18th century, in the 19th century, in the, in the 20th century. There were some forms of statehoods that appeared and disappeared from the map in Eastern Europe. Therefore, that's the reading. But on the opposition side of the story, we are largely referring to the same anxiety, to the same fear of being wiped off the map. But the reading is different. They are not afraid of the West. The reading is post-1989 reading. They are afraid of the East, as it used to be after the collapse of the communism, uh, the mainstream of the political agenda. Uh, let me remind you that, in fact, two most important geopolitical decisions that were taken in the 20th century by Poland to join NATO and to join the European Union were not only for the material benefits, which is an obvious thing, but for the sake of leaving the trap of history, leaving this shadow, uh, grey area between the West and the East. And therefore to join, of course, Poland here is just an example, like Estonia, like Latvia and other countries of the region, it was like getting out of the shadow of Moscow. And the shadow is very long, since the 18th century. But how come that uh, since since Poland has benefited so much from joining these West uh, these Western organizations, the EU and NATO, how come the current government is is 
speaking about the EU in particular as, as a, some sort of an enemy? Well, this is something that hardly could be understood without a short introduction to the Polish history, unfortunately, because this is a very peculiar reading. Obviously, objectively, if you use the economic criteria, you would say, what is it all about? But the point is that sovereignty is uh, an irrational term to the large extent. Obviously, you could Today we are talking about the sanitary sovereignty, about technological sovereignty. But here, in this political narrative, we are talking about the old-fashioned, classical-style sovereignty of the 19th, 20th century. And therefore, you are afraid of losing a kind of abstract sovereignty to the East and to the West. And again, the reading is through the lenses of the pre unfortunately, 1939 era. It means that you have, there, there, there is a potential, you are squeezed by two superpowers, Russia, but also Germany. And the government is reading the European Union as a new incarnation of Germany. Again, I'm trying to explain, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not justifying it. But that's how they are constructing constructing their narrative. And it's convincing to like 30% of the people in Poland. Not to the majority, but to the 30% of the people. If you take a look at the data, at the sociological data, it means that with the current uh, electoral system in Poland, it could give you the power. It could give you the majority, again, that will be the question of elections, uncertain. The, the, how is it going, are they going to win? And if they win, are they going to rule alone as you have, we have it now? But it, if, you, if you focus on this 30%, it gives you a possibility. Some people have described these elections to me as the most important ones since 1989. Do you agree? Well, all the elections in Poland were <laughs> crucial. I don't remember any <laughs> elections that were not called in this respect. Since the collapse of the communism, there was a huge polarization. It's, now it's the past. But in the 90s, Poles were divided among those who were involved in the communist Poland and those who were not. And the, the word treason was uh, running around the political scene. The point is that these elections are of importance, obviously, because the, it's the question, are the right and the far right uh, able to govern for the third term, term mm -hmm. or not? And they are making crucial changes to the political system, to the legal system, to the media system. And it's, well, up to now, we, tr we are trying to think as political analyst, uh, analysts that uh, is it irre irreversible? or not, if it is to which extent? These are the questions that are mainly asked by the experts. But Civic Platform has, has said repeatedly, and their leaders, that should they come to power uh, after the elections in October, they will uh, at least try to unwind some of the changes that law and justice has made to the legal system, to the media system. Will they be able to do that? Well, 
to some extent, yes, but to some extent not, because we should still bear in mind that there is the president, and our president, the president of Poland, is the president who belongs to the law and justice uh, milieu. So even if he's uh, trying to zigzag his own political agenda in a way that is not really convincing for the opposition, but he, it's hard to say what he would do. But again, a cold political analysis, his vetoes, his opposition to the new government, if it happens, would strengthen him as a partner. So you, you, you see that there is some uh, political rationale very down to earth that could encourage him to behave like a super opposition with the uh, veto right in his pocket. So some changes uh, are possible, but some not, and it will take time to introduce them. Just a couple of more questions. Uh, the rise of the far-right party Confederatia has been noted. Uh, they present themselves as an alternative to law and justice. Uh, why, why is this party becoming more uh, popular? And do you think they will be able to play a role uh, post-elections? This is, a, uh, this is a, so to say, a Hungarian process in Poland, because in fact we, we see that since 2015, when the law and justice political party took over the power, uh, they, they simply introduced a lot of uh, people and a lot of pieces from the far-right agenda to the mainstream. And therefore, we, we are, it's like a, a, a bidding game. It's, it's something that who is going to be more sovereignist, who is going to be more nationalist. Uh, and, and therefore, it's, 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 I mean, it's obvious that it's dangerous because there is no end to this game. Uh, and we know the precedents from the past that are really worrying. Uh, nonetheless, this is a, a difficult to, to, to say what the Confederatia Political Party means because it is uh, a political chaos inside. I don't want to go too much into the details, but the, 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 the thing is that if the Law and Justice Political Party wins, they could take a part of Confederatia, not necessarily the whole party, with a, a set of benefits that are so tempting, uh, so alluring, that, that, that I think that it's, 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 it's a possible scenario. But of course, it is also possible that this time, in spite of the, all the efforts from the government, that the opposition may win, but it would mean that it would be a pretty colorful government from the conservative center to the uh, left and sometimes to the far left. So it's going to be a very difficult government, if it, a coalition government, if this scenario appears in autumn. Since 2015, the Polish government has had a long-standing dispute with the EU uh, about the changes they've made to the, to the legal system, about the media. Uh, the last example is, is the investigative committee to, I guess, investigate Russian influences on Polish politicians. If the current government continues in power, how do you see you know, the relationship between Warsaw and Brussels evolve? 
if the law, the law and justice political party wins, it would mean that there will be a tough time for Brussels as well, because they are going to be more self-confident in spite of everything. They proved one thing in the last months, that for some ideological and very tiny personal reasons, uh, not to acquire millions from the European Union from the post-COVID fund. And I mean, it seems unbelievable, but it's very important because there is a message. It means that there are moments where you use for your political, uh, that, that you, you, you are using different criteria than economic ones. It's a very important message for the future. It means that they are, they, they, those politicians, they are, they are ready not to acquire the money if they would, they, they would like to uh, uh, keep up uh, their agenda, political agenda alive. It's, it's, it's really menacing, but, and it opens us to a lot of irrational parts of the right and far-right agenda. Yaroslav Kuish talking to Ruves Björn Malmqvist. And of course, you can hear in Icelandic Heimskvirda every weekend, every Saturday here on Ruve on Rausett. I'm Darren Adam, and this is Ruve English Radio. Get in touch with us anytime. English at ruv.is. There is more from Ruv English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is. English. Ruv English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Ruv.